You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of That One Time on Tour. Uh, my name is Chris. This is my, eh, we'll say weekly right now, but maybe bi-weekly bo- podcast where I talk to friends of mine uh, and acquaintances of mine in and around the music industry about what it's like to be on the road uh, and, you know, just basically being in a band, being a musician in life. So um, it is about 2.30 a.m. Uh, and I am recording this intro um, you know, I've, I've got two little ones, so I, I don't have a lot of time to do these, <laughs> to do these intros. Uh, my wife is very, very great and, uh, gives me Sundays to do some, uh, phone calls with some guys for the podcast, but then late at night I have to do everything else. So, uh, last night I was up to about four o'clock editing this episode and tonight I am doing the intro. So thank you so much for checking this out. The response to the first two episodes was kind of overwhelming, actually, uh, a lot of international listeners, which is really cool for me. I, I love my international friends. I've got a lot of you guys on Facebook, Instagram. So, uh, you know, if you're from a country other than the United States of America, please give us a shout out on Facebook or Instagram. Let us know that you're checking this out. Let us know that you're listening. And, uh, yeah, this is great. I'm having a really good time. So thank you guys once again for listening to this podcast, please. Um, if you have any questions about anything or, you know, if you have any guest ideas, uh, send us an email at T O T O T podcast at gmail.com. Please follow us on all the social media, you know, platforms, Uh, The handle is T-O-T-O-T podcast on all of the different social media sites. Um, Thank you so much. This is a great thing, and I really enjoy doing it. I hope that you guys are getting some kind of enjoyment out of it, whether it be on your commute to work or, you know, if you're just sitting at home listening to this. Thank you for allowing me into your life. So this is episode number three. My guest on the podcast today is my really, really good friend, Ty Fury. I met Ty on the Monsters of Rock cruise back in 2013. Uh, Ty played guitar for the band Trapped. Ty did guitar tech work for Scott Weiland of Stone Temple Pilots. He's done a lot of really cool stuff. He was in a band uh, with the clown, Sean, from Slipknot. The guy's been around the block. So uh, we have a really good time chatting, and uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So here it is, my conversation with my good pal, Ty Fury. Hey, Ty, man, what's going on? Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Uh, so I hear you're, you're traveling. I was going to talk to you in Nashville, but I guess you're still out on the road, right? I, I never know where I'm going to be because uh, things are changed up a little bit. But yeah, I'm in Vegas now. We did a show last night here and I uh, can't wait to be home. So we're on the way. You're guitar teching for Chris Young, correct? Yeah, currently Chris Young, country star. Um, I tech for him personally and his lead guitarist, Kevin Collier. It's an amazing camp. Uh, probably the best move I ever did was jump into country. 
Uh, it's been it's been amazing. It's been great. I, I know the money's pretty good in country for the techs and the songwriters and everything. I know it's a little bit better than some of the rock stuff. You know, not only the money is is good, but the scheduling is as polar opposites from what we use that what, what we're used to in the rock world. I mean, I know I was on tour last year with my band for eight months straight. And I was paying rent the whole time in California, you know, never there, but wasting all that money and being out for so long is ridiculous. Now the scheduling being like three on, four off, four on, three off, and it just, it just rotates like that. It's great. I mean, I have 12 days off after two shows next week. So a lot of downtime. I mean, I get bored, but it's a, it's a different situation. With with a thing like that, like, do you are you on retainer? Like, are you getting paid when you're not on the road so you don't go to another camp? Or uh, yes, I do. It's a very different setup uh, with my gig personally. Uh, I'm a salary uh, tech, so it's great. I mean, I don't have to look for gigs and scramble in between tours. So uh, they take care of me all year, and you know the the thing is though they snap their fingers and I'm there and it's great. You know, the checks cash. I don't have to, uh, you know, I've been in bands where I was tour managing shit while playing guitar or teching and too much, too many hats. So this one's great. Oh, I love it. I really love it. Not only that, but the, the camp is amazing. It's a, it's a better environment for me. It's positive. It's, it's a clean atmosphere. And what's different about it, what I really appreciate is uh, a lot of people like you and me, uh, we get off tour and, you know, from people until the next tour. Well, in this camp, you know, people call you and we hang out and we bullshit outside of the tour, which is great because it's such an alienating and lonely thing when you get off tour and you thought those people you're, you know, better than your own family were your best friends, but you get off tour and they're gone. So for me in this camp now, it is much different. I used to, I used to call that post tour syndrome because you get home from tour and you kind of, you don't really want to go do anything because you've been out for so long, but then when you want to go do stuff, you can't find any of the people you used to hang out with. Exactly. Exactly. Where is everybody? Where'd they go? They said they loved me, but everybody pretty much lives in Nashville. And that's something I had to do. Because before this, when I was playing in Trapped, I lived in L.A. Um, and while I was on tour with another band as their tech, Saving Able, I came across this job opening, applied for it, actually through Bobnet, which I want to give a huge shout-out to, which is the second time I've gotten a gig through Bobnet. Uh, I got the Scott Weiland gig through Bobnet, and now I got this one through Bobnet, which I applied for. And I truly believe only through my references and work work in the past that is the reason I got the job because it's all about as you know it's all about who you know it's all about word of mouth it's all about you know who's going to vouch for you so I had some pretty good references which uh the people in Chris Young's camp knew and called and uh yeah so here I am were you in Nashville when you got the gig or did you move there because that was a better base um, well it's not only where I had to be for the gig but uh, I know I was not in Nashville um, I actually, I mean, I was bouncing all over, but my home was in LA. Um, two days after I got this gig, I moved permanently to Nashville. I played two last shows with Trapped, and after the shows, I said goodbye and got my gear, put it in storage, 
went to Nashville and started about a week later with these guys. It was crazy. It was crazy. But all my life, that's how how it's been. It's been spontaneous moves. I've lived in 12, 15 states in the past 10 years, all following either my guitar or now what I've created as a teching career, which is something I never thought I would do because I've always been a player, always wanted to perform. And one of my first guitar techs, well, my first guitar tech, when, I, when he handed me a guitar, when I went on, on stage, it was so awkward. I was like, well, is everything in tune? He's like, shut the hell up, man. Go out and play. Was everything plugged in? Dude, fuck off. Go out there. The first time that I had a tech, I was like, I'm so anal and kind of control freak about my gear. He handed it to me, and I'm like, I still tuned it before I went out just to make sure. <laughs> I still, that's, and you know what? Even my dude here and Chris Young, like, I'll hand him a tuned guitar. And that's just a reflex as guitar players. You'll check it. You'll tune it. I see his hands go up to that headstock, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> staring at him. But, um, yeah, my first guitar tech, his name was Karma Chiva, and he teched uh, back in the day for Jerry Cantrell. Uh, currently with, I think he plays with American Head Charge right now, and he was with OTEP. At the time, he was teching for me while I toured with a band called Motorgrader back in the days where it was the original band around 2002 or so and he gave me the guitar but one thing he said to me uh i'll never forget and he said bands come and go but techs have careers definitely yeah and i didn't really register until years later where i got my first tech gig and then fully encompassed the whole career aspect of it where it's like well i could bounce around or stay stable with one band if i'm lucky for 20, 30 years, get a gray beard and do it like a lot of these guys do and be paid and have a house and be relied on by somebody, have a relationship with a guitar player that is a very important. Another tech, um, Martin Connors, who's Jim Root's tech, who while I was in a band called Dirty Little Rabbits, we were out with Stone Sour. Jim's tech was really inspiring for me. I saw him and I saw his world, the whole guitar world, and I was like, I love this area. I love, I'm a geek totally love gear and that was inspiring to me and uh, and him and jim are so close they bought houses next to each other in jacksonville wow. and it's like man i want that you know because my band wasn't too tight we were never really tight i was close with a few but you know i wanted the relationship aspect as well as the work part of it i think that's probably a good segue then like uh i remember i mean a little bit of history between you and i we met back on the monsters of rock cruise uh-huh. uh, back in 2013 oh yeah uh, got got to be friends on that and there's some stories on that when we might let go for this podcast but uh i i found out later on you know that you were you were asked to join trap you were you were teching for them and then they they asked you to join the band uh, can you give me a little bit of history on that? And then what led you, you know, initially to leave the band? Yeah. Um, so after Monsters of Rock, which was which was a great intro to, you know, the cruises were a lot different, but kind of the backline position and teching and cruise stuff. After that, the the person I was with at the time was a production assistant. Uh, you remember Katie from the tours. Her and I both ended up working for In This Moment. Uh, she was production. I was guitar tech. So we both landed those gigs together, and that was my first tech gig. At the time, I was working in the shop, 
refretting and teching and setting up a lot of guitars, which was a passion. So we got on that tour. Uh, that ended. I actually got fired from that gig, the second tour, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. And after that, one of the dudes on the tour, his name's Jerome. He was stage manager, set car, uh, the man. He works for Breaking Benjamin now, and he's he's a great dude. He called me a few months or so after I left in this moment, and I was sitting on my best friend's porch, you know, actually wondering, what the hell am I doing? What am I going to do? I've, I don't have anything now. Like, i got to go back to regular life. And he said, hey, do you want to go tech for Trapped? And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. And so, actually, funny thing is, is at that moment, I turned to my best friend who lives in Denver, Chad, and I was like, hey, man, I'm taking this dude's job. I'm taking that player's <laughs> job. And I said that to him. And I knew That's it awesome. right then. I wanted it. I wasn't even a fan of Trapped. I mean, I wish I could say I was. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could say I was, but, you know, that shit would come on and I'd turn the channel. Not until I got into the band and realized the potential and the musicianship of the band and how creative and how much they've learned in their career that I started, you know, gaining a lot of respect for them. However, so I started teching for them. I went out on one tour and I really knew what I wanted. I wanted to play. And so I, I killed it as a tech. Even Pete, the bassist to this day will be like, this ties the best tech we ever had. But I wanted to play. So a couple weeks in, I know they were looking to replace Travis because he actually played in a Treyu primarily. Really? Yeah. He so he played in a Treyu. He always has been in a Treyu. Started a Treyu, but he was entrapped at that time. And they, you know, he that's he, quite a, that's quite a different band. Trapped yeah. in a Treyu, <laughs> very stylistically yeah. different. And, and Travis is probably one of the coolest dudes I've ever met in my life. I've met those guys when I was when I was playing. Uh, I was doing some tours out in uh, on the West Coast and on Warp Tour and whatnot back in the day, and we we did some shows with the Treyu. They're good guys. Yeah. Um, so he was playing guitar, and I pretty much put myself forward at line check and while setting up, and I wanked. You know, I I showed off at sound check as much as I could, and tried to get the attention of Chris, the lead singer, Chris Taylor Brown, who is is trapped and um not long after he took notice and pretty much you know fast forwarding a few days later came up to me and asked me how long i was gonna take to learn the whole set and i told him a couple days after that tour ended travis went home i spent a week at home learning the set and the backup vocals went out did my first gig with them and then i was with them for about three years or so after that and did the did the new album with them, which is called DNA, which we're really proud of. Didn't gain as much traction as we wanted, but there's some songs out there that, you know, I mean, coming from my brother showing me traps when I was younger to playing in the band, it was a happy time for me. It was a huge accomplishment. So, yeah. When you guys were writing and recording that record, I mean, just from what I know of you, I've always felt that you know you were probably liked stuff stylistically a little heavier than trapped sure were you able were you able to like inject any of your own writing or your own like biases into the music or was it kind of already set up yeah no i mean that band what's interesting was while i was writing at home for the band i would go at home i'd write i'd go to pete's the bass player and write i'd go with chris and write we'd all collaborate but at home i struggled to 
kind of dumb myself down to be trappedish because at the time I was super into like periphery and kill switch and, and I've always been a very dream theater, progressive guitarist. So I really had to dumb myself down. I mean, you listen to the opening, opening riff of headstrong and, and I mean, come on, it's, it's a super catchy riff, but so easy. Uh, but that's what matters. And I tried to do this and I was like, Pete, dude, I'm trying to write shit for us. And he said, stop trying. And at that point I was like, okay, so I stopped trying. We ended up with some good songs. Uh, a lot of the album was a lot of my creation, a lot of collaboration, a lot of in, in studio writing together. That album wouldn't have come together if it wasn't for all of us. Um, but to tell you the truth, I mean, without hurting anybody's feelings, Pete and I did that album together. He engineered the entire thing. Uh, we got Chris Lord Algae to produce it or to mix wow. it, which was amazing. But um, Pete was behind the helmet the whole time, uh, you know, telling me what sucked, telling me what was good, telling me it was out of tune, telling me to do it again, uh, working on writing parts in the studio is what we did 50, 60 percent of the time. Um, so, yeah, but it was it was hard to adjust to trap because I was much more of a extroverted player, a lot more show off shit, a lot more. So where's the solo? I think there's one solo <laughs> on that album in the song. Um, uh, Wow, it's been a while since I've heard that album. There's one solo on that album. And a uh, couple, oh, I spent a night writing it. We went in. I nailed it in one take after a few takes. I nailed it in one take. Uh, and then uh, Chris cut four bars out of it, which we fought over for a week. And ultimately, he was right. <laughs> so, yeah, it worked out. But it was a, a huge learning process for me. Because before that, I'd never been into a huge studio with, you know, people that have done platinum albums before. So it was great. Well, I know I know from my own experience of like joining the Ataris, like I was always into punk rock, but I was also a metal player. Like I'd been in metal bands my whole life. So I think I looked at it a little bit differently than maybe you did. I looked at it as... I could almost relax on stage where every other band I'd ever been in, I had to concentrate and focus so much right. that I could hardly even enjoy the show. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I relaxed a lot with Trapped. It was a lot of lot of groovy riffs that I was able to just, I wouldn't even have to focus on my playing, and I would throw the fuck down on stage. And I had a lot of backup vocal parts, but I, I loved throwing down. I still love throwing down. I miss that. But it's all a rhythmic, uh, you know, thing through the body with the riff from the ground for the part and i missed that but uh trapped was super simple i mean there were a few parts i'd have to focus on that i didn't want to fuck up i really was always uh sort of band leader saying this needs to be tighter you know this needs we need to work we need to add a harmony that we need to add a track for the guitar harmony here that's not there live so yeah i was really uh relieved to kind of settle back and throw down playing simple parts you know you play the intro to the headstrong or still frame and these walls and chris's intro and it's just it's a lot of three chord shit but it was fun it worked and a lot of people liked it and it, it was fun to be a part of at the time uh things did fall apart towards the end there uh it was a difficult band to keep together can you i mean was it personalities within the band that you clashed with i mean you don't have to go super deep but like was it one thing that happened or was it kind of stuff led up to that it was it was difficult man because chris wanted full control 
as he deserved full control. It was his baby, his band, the only band he's ever been in. But he was so controlling, it became hard to deal with. And I tried so hard, and we became best friends. But in the end, I mean, to be honest, having you know a wife out on tour, and we all were not in our perfect headspace. It it collapsed. It fell apart. Um, lack of management was a big thing. Lack of organization. Lack of communication was a huge part of it. So um, if that stuff was was tied up, I think there would have been a lot more success with that band after the latest album. But you look you look back at it with with like fond memories though, right? There's not a lot of bad yeah, blood. man. Oh yeah, nothing but nothing but happy memories and great experiences places i would have never gone shows i would have never played you know there's a few shows that stick out of my mind with there's just 16 20,000 people and they know the lyrics we're throwing down we're connecting uh it was it was great it was something that i've longed for all my life and i knew one day i would have that experience hopefully again but with trapped i got that and it was very satisfying to be a part of that not only as a guitar player but in other you know, contributions as far as I TM'd. I hired and trained crew members from scratch, found guitar techs, went through a few guitar techs in a year, and uh, tried to put together a solid crew for the band. And managed a lot of things while I, you know, just was supposed to play guitar, but I care a lot about any band I'm in. So I'm going to do, you know, without effort, I want to be the go-to guy i want to be you know i'd go out the i'd leave the bus and go to the meet and greet crowd and be like hey guys uh trapped will be out shortly thank you for your patience and then i'd walk out hey nice to meet you i'm trapped and they're like what the fuck you just told us shut the hell up and wait and then you know here here you're the guitar artist and two or who the fuck are you but i'd have to i'd have to somebody had to do it and i did it i was glad to do it but so yeah, a lot of hats, difficult band, but uh, in the end run, it was a hell of a lot of fun. So when that sort of ended, you found yourself away from that. Was that directly into Chris Young, or did you? When did you do the Scott Weiland stuff? Uh, I did Scott Weiland while I was with Trapped. Actually, I was his second pick. The first guy fell through, straight through Bob Net. First guy fell through. He called me when I was actually trimming, uh, trimming rose petals while landscaping in California, Laguna Beach area. Got the call from Maxie right there, said, hey, we need a tech. And the funny thing was his guitarist, Jeremy, who unfortunately passed away a few months after I joined, seven months before Scott, he and I have history in Denver from when I cut my teeth in my baby bands locally. He was in the band that I ultimately started up from the ground. He was the first guitar player, so he saw a sticker on my pelican that said Fomofuya, which stood for four motherfuckers in a band yeah. and he's like oh shit you know them and i was like uh, i was a, i was the guitar player for that band and he's like no i was a guitar player for that band who at the time had never played shows they just had a name and jammed and then he left la to go do and ultimately found scott but i they found me through a guitar center ad i was like 20 and that was the beginning of FOMO FUYA, but when Jeremy saw that, we instantly bonded. It was amazing. And uh, ever since then, him and I were like bros, but unfortunately, we lost him, and unfortunately, we lost Scott. 
but yeah, I was with him for over a year or so. It was an amazing experience meeting Joey Castillo and playing and jamming and playing, do, doing sound checks with those guys and learning and hanging out with them. Oh, God, it was amazing. Uh, you know, when we had to go to Jeremy's funeral, that was tough. And then I was out of town for Scott's, but there was a lot of times Scott and I were riding together on the bus that I, yeah, I wish wish I would have recorded. I mean, you grow up, you grow up and there's these guys that are like untouchable. Like, you know, I've been in signed bands, you've been in signed bands, but there's that like second level guys like Cornell and Scott Weiland and Eddie Vedder. And I just, I think that was They've done it all. Yeah. That's so great that you actually got to spend time with him and like become part of his life. Like I, I envy that a lot because he's, he's one of yeah. those guys that I just grew up and when he opened his mouth, it was like angels singing, man. Yeah, amazing, and it was amazing to be around him, uh, things I learned from him, the fun times we had, the good stakes we had, and I have a lot of memories and trinkets and whatnots from those times that I'll always cherish, and our great relationships to this day with Tommy Black, his bass player, and his wife, Jamie, that uh, I still keep in touch with, that were amazing, but that was a great gig, that. Uh, so I was with them, and then when I, I went back to Trapped, after a few years of things going downhill with Trapped, I ended up going out with some mutual friends, the band Saving Able. I checked for them last year around March. And while I was on that tour, I got another Bobnet ad, country artist looking for A-level guitar tech. You know, And I don't consider myself an A-level tech. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I just tune this shit. I know what I would expect, and that's all I do. So... It said Nashville base. It said all this stuff, and I applied for it. Got a call for it. Got an interview for it, and got the gig. And had to decide: okay, am I going to quit my band and go tech? And the economics of it was: yeah, you'd be stupid not to take this gig. So I did. So a few days later, I played a couple trap shows, the last two, and then uh, took off for Nashville. I saw, uh, speaking of Chris Young, I saw on your Facebook, and then I also did some more research, you know, because I knew I was going to be speaking with you, and I haven't seen you in five years. Um, I saw that you guys opened up for Garth Brooks. Can you speak a little bit about that? Oh, man. That was amazing. Uh, I always wanted to see Garth Brooks, and opening up for him was, it was an experience because not only his crew was amazing, but his show was, as, as many shows as I've seen in my life, from metal to rock, country, this and that. I've never heard a louder crowd that loved their artists so much. And it, it was just so intense, and he had so much energy. Such a nice guy. I mean, while we were setting up, he came up, you know, normal clothes, and was like, good to see you guys again, and thanks for being here. Super cool guy. Super cool guy. And he even comes out. Yeah, I, it, it was amazing. It was fun. And I can't wait to see him again. I've, I've played some massive shows like when i was in the ataris we did some big festivals and whatnot but is there like a different vibe when you walk into an arena and there's that many people i mean that that has to be insane even being in guitar world or like monitor world back behind the stage yeah man it uh the the funny thing is it's so much more separated because you know as well as i know those intimate shows where you could just reach out and touch the crowd are the best even when it's not that many people 
and you connect with those people. And although I'm not playing, I can still, you know, understand what they're feeling on stage. And, uh, yeah, when you walk into an arena, like we do 20, 30,000 people arenas right now. And it's, it's a huge separation in my eyes, even as a tech over on guitar world, because the people are, they're reaching so far and you got this 20 foot gap with monitor world and then the barricade and in front and, you know, you throw a guitar pick at these people and <laughs> be lucky if it makes them, makes it to them. Uh, but uh, in, in a, the few arena shows I played with Trapped while we were on the Make America Rock Tour, I remember it was more difficult to connect with rather than the intimate, sweaty, hot, crazy, small, smelly gigs that we did. Those were the best. Those are always the best. You know, and you want to play for as many people as you can, but sometimes the best ones are the smaller gigs. I feel I feel the same way. I mean, because you go into a gig where there's, you know, twenty, thirty thousand people and like you said, there's the barricade and everything. But like well, I know from my experience of being in a band that in certain markets were huge and in certain markets we weren't, we would go from playing a massive show to then playing like a bar where people are an inch from your face singing words at you and there's spit covering your face. <laughs> yep, that's the best. That's what I I prefer. I prefer those. Uh, I, remember I actually few, do too. Yeah, I remember a few huge shows that were great, but I felt like the energy I was putting out, you know, was like so much more, and it took so much more effort to get to the crowd, although they were still throwing down, and then our singer was up in the front row standing on people, singing, holding someone's hand, and it was amazing. But some of the bar gigs were you're right there, and you're handing your pick to somebody. And you're letting the crowd strum your guitar at the end of the song, and it's just right there in your face. And then those people come up to you at the end, and they're easy to spot. You buy them a drink, and you have fun with them and talk to them. Those are the best ones. Those are what makes it all worth it. You know, we get our own satisfaction from playing, writing, being in the band, and we do it for the people that want to share that connection with us. And man, the best part of my career has been meeting the people that really understand music the way that I do. And uh, and in that connection, I mean, there's nothing better, nothing better than that. And that's why I still do it. I'll sacrifice anything to stay in this world, genre to genre, to keep understanding how much more deeper it goes. Well, I'll tell you, man, like uh, I've been off the road now for a while. Um, I've had I have a son now and I have a daughter and uh, I like being family guy. But that's kind of why I started this podcast. Like I'm not playing in a band currently. And I wanted some way to kind of express myself. And I also wanted an excuse to talk to my old friends that have been on the road. <laughs> Dude, that's such a good idea. My buddy actually sit, sitting right in front of me right now, Ryan, uh, Chris's guitar player. He told me, he told me I should start a podcast and interview techs and, and talk to people like that too. I would love to do it. You know, I should do it. Uh, he, does, he's, he did a podcast the other day with somebody in Nashville. But what you're doing with like stories from the road and that one time is great because you talk about experiences other people will never have and want to have and are, are office workers or whatnot. And, and that's entertaining, man. So I'm looking forward to see how this goes for you. I was stoked. I listened to a couple uh, your first couple ones and uh, I didn't I didn't stop it. I listened to the whole thing. 
It was great. That was great. And the time we shared out on tour, man, I'll never forget that out on the on the cruise. Do you have I any think, stories that you'd like to tell about that? I'd like to hear what I mean, your take was. I mean, you know how it was. That wasn't too crazy. It was a nah. cruise, and we had some pretty serious jobs. You were there on a different uh, job than I was. You did, You had to... You played, but you had to work as well. Which... I was, yeah, I was playing and I was doing production, and uh, yeah, there was some falsities told to me and the guys in the band right. I was in, and right, I ended up at one point just saying "fuck it," and I handed my radio in, and then for the rest of the cruise, I just swam and drank. <laughs> yep, I remember that. Yep, I remember that. You're playing with AJ. That was cool, but you know, I mean, everybody has their breaking point, but. That uh, that cruise, the, the experience was amazing. Got getting to see those places, it was great. Uh, it was fun for me because I was actually out with uh, somebody I love uh, a whole lot, who worked production, probably still does production for those cruises. And uh, I was it was a pleasure to be on those. It's fun. It was. I was just excited because the one thing that I actually did do production wise is I got to basically run sound for Queensryche. I was pretty stoked about that. Nice. <laughs> because yeah. they, they had like the front of house guy, but he had all this stuff going on. And so like I was helping set up and then somebody was like, Hey man, you know how to run this board, right? I'm like, yeah. So like I did their sound check and everything. He came back for the main gig, but just the fact that I was able to help out a band that I listened to when I was growing up was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. And likewise, I uh, getting to meet some of the dudes from Cinderella and Tesla Jeff, too, man. Yeah, Jeff Labar, the guitarist Cinderella. Like I sat, I grabbed him and I was like, "Hey, man, I got a question for you." So in the uh, beginning of uh, like Heartbreak Station, there's this wacky note that I believe is you know this G with that high A fretted on the high E string. But I was like, "How do you play? How you how'd you pull it off?" And you know, I should have known it was a twelve string. But when he saw me stretch up to five, holding a full G. He was like, what? He's like, man, I should have done it like that. But I was like, I just need to clear it up. I wanted to know how you played the song. And there's other guitar players I meet that I'm like, hey, I need to know how you played the song. A uh, friend of mine, Kurt Chambers, who lives, uh, I think he's in Nashville, he plays guitar for fucking Dr. Dre and Eminem. Wow. That's crazy. And uh, he comes to a lot of Chris Young shows. He's friends with Chris, and, and he's, a, he's a really cool dude. He, he So playing for Eminem, I had to ask him how – the real guitar part for uh, I'm cleaning out my closet. That okay, yeah, song, yeah. Whatever it's called. Closet, clean out my closet. Sorry, mama. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, so getting to sit down with him, him showing me the real way the guitar player, the guitar part goes was, was fun. That's so satisfying being able to meet with people and jam with them and I got some jams set up in Nashville with some other guitar players that I'm looking forward to as well. And it's great to live there and be able to expand my horizons as a guitarist and musician. And I mean, I'm in music, the music mecca right now. So have you, have you like thought about possibly doing any co-writes or I know there's a lot of opportunity if you have, you know, networking capabilities in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, you know how it is. Every there's always like three or four people that come out through the woodwork every year that are like, Oh, we should form this band and we should form this ultra band from these bands. And I played in uh, tantric for a while too, while we were on tour of trapped and uh, that met me some other people. And there's always people that want to do another album and you know, but who's really serious. 
to come out or do I have to come out there, you know? And yeah, I have some, I have some music things in me that are eating away that I need to get down and satisfy myself with. But I'm looking for the right people. I don't really, I'm not really interested in just getting together and jamming and getting together and writing just for the shit of it. But when I find that person that's on my level of depth and creativity, then uh, it's something I'll really dedicate myself to. Um, so right now I still write by myself at home. I still do my thing and a lot at home time given the country schedule, which is great because I write a lot of stuff. Uh, and so I'm, I'm working on that. I'm working on getting closure on a few albums that have been lingering for a decade or more. And, uh, once that's done, I can move on and it's all a time period. It's all an expression of who I was at the time. And I'm looking forward to getting those done and locked up and put away. But you know how it is when you write an album, it's never good enough. It's never over. It's really hard to, really hard to press and Put to I've always had I've always had people either you know a producer or other guys in my band that are finally like Chris just stop playing that part like it's done yeah because exactly. <laughs> I've always been a perfectionist I'm like nah it has to be perfect and I don't want the Pro Tools computer to make it perfect like I want to play it perfect myself <laughs> yeah well hey man I'll tell you what I, I know you got to catch a plane here in a minute I think uh, actually we just got off the uh, shuttle bus I'm walking into uh, Okay. Las Vegas right well, now. Well, we're probably, we're almost at about 40 minutes now. So I think, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Um, it's been a lot of fun talking to you again, reconnecting. You've always, you've hey, got, it's a pleasure. I was excited when you reached out. Well, you've got some great stories and I'd like to thank you so much for being on that one time on tour. Uh, do you got, do you have anything coming up you want to promote like Chris Young stuff or anything else? I mean, we're on the Losing Sleep World Tour. I'd like to give a shout-out to my boy Kevin Collier, sexiest lead guitar player. I just kicked him in the ass. Uh, we are out for the whole year. And uh, other than that, I hope to release some more of my own material. And, I mean, there's a chance I might play some shows with Trapped again. I don't know for sure. But, you know, we'll see. It's all about attitude and how we can pull it together. But... I'm in a good place, and I really enjoy it. So right now, this is all I'm focused on, and I love it, and I'm going to keep going as long as I can with it, brother. Well, that's great, man, and I, I'm just I'm so excited that I got this t- chance to talk to you, and people are hopefully are listening to this. <laughs> I hope so. I'm going to spread it around, bro. Well, thank you very much, man. I want you to have a safe flight back to Nashville. I'll be in touch very, very soon, and thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thanks, brother. It's a pleasure. Miss you. Hope to see you soon. Let me know if you ever need, to, ever need anything. Come to a show. Love to have you. Oh, hell yeah, man. If you guys come through the Midwest, I'm there. Yeah, we'll be there soon, brother. Have a good day. I'll talk to you later, buddy. All right, bud. Bye. Bye. And there it was, my conversation with Ty. Uh, We had a really good time chatting. Um, Some of the audio was a little odd because uh, we had a bad connection. I'm not sure if it was his end or my end. He was at the airport in Vegas catching a flight to uh, to come back to Nashville. So, uh, you know, hopefully in the future the audio will be a little bit better. But thank you guys for listening. Um, this thing's so much fun. And uh, I really appreciate you guys so much for being a part of it. And uh, I would really, really like it if you would please rate and review us in the iTunes store. You know, preferably five stars, but if you don't think it's worthy of five stars, just no one stars. I mean, come on, don't be, don't be mean. But uh, next week 
on the show, we have Mr. Precision, Dan Viklinski, uh from 88 Fingers Louie, one of my favorite bands of, in, of all time. I even have an 88 Fingers Louie tattoo. Uh, he also was a founding member of Rise Against, which I'm sure you guys have heard of Rise Against. Uh, 88 Fingers Louie broke up back in 1998, 99, something like that. And uh, they've recently got back together and put out a brand new record on Bird Attack Records, and it is awesome. It's called Thank You for Being a Friend. Pretty sure it's a, it's a nod to the Golden Girls. So uh, next week on the show, we've got Mr. Precision himself, Dan Viklinski. Dan and I go way back. Uh, he produced my first band, Chronic Chaos, pr- produced two full-length records for us at his studio called The Bomb Shelter up in Chicago. So I'm very excited to talk to Dan. So please check back for that episode. It should be coming out very, very shortly. And uh, I'm going to leave you guys with um, a Trapped song from uh, their album DNA. Uh, Ty played on this. I think Ty co-wrote it. Uh, It's a song called Passenger. And uh, here it is. Ty Fury with Trapped doing Passenger. Thank you guys so much.
What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.